Hello, NIFA Hour fans. Thank you for joining us again on another Thursday. Today, we have alumnus Anthony Filaroni. That name is hard. There are a lot of vowels in it, but we're going to get it right. Uh, his film, Jumpy, was a editor's choice on Vimeo, and it is amazing. We're going to show you the short, and we're going to talk to him about his process of moving from live action to animation. Stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. Hello, NIFA Hour guests, students, and friends. Excited to come back for the 32nd episode of NIFA Hour. Unfortunately, my co-host Pega is out with the flu, so we send her our love and our hopes that she gets better soon. But in the meantime, we have Anthony with us. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm not sick. You're, that is good. We are glad you're not sick. Yes. Spreading of germs in this industry is terrible. It'll it's, take yeah. whole crews down so fast. It's easy to happen. It's like we're talking on the same microphones <laughs> that get shared and... Yeah, I will avoid that. Yeah, ear sweat in the headphones. It's gross. You got you to gotta stay healthy. Come out when you're healthy. Stay home. Get better. So, Pega, we hope you feel better soon. In the meantime, uh, Anthony, your film, Jumpy, has been doing all kinds of crazy stuff. We're definitely going to get into that in the second half of that sh- this show. But I first wanted to ask you the same question we ask all of our guests, which is, when did you first know that you were in love with film? I don't know. That's uh, It's a big one. That's a tough question. I don't know. Um, I feel like film has just sort of always been part of my life. Mm. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I, when I was a kid, I was watching uh, Pretty Woman and Beetlejuice like every day, Little Mermaid. Like I, I, I had sort of all these inputs from very early on, and I think I just sort of grew up with film. And there was never like a, there was never like a, this is the moment where I'm like, oh, I love this, this thing. I think I only sort of maybe articulated it in, in the way like, oh, this is something that I love that I want to do when, you know, the sort of guidance counselors ask you, what do you want to do? And I was like, oh, I guess there's this thing that I love that just like it didn't, it, it wasn't like even sort of like a conscious um, thing that I put to words. Before that, it was just it was just always part of my life. Is there a film that kind of like stuck out for you though, where you were like, because I feel like for a lot of kids when they get into film, it's like I could make a better movie than this. Mm. No, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't even like. I can't even remember because um, I just went to the movies so much. Like mm-hmm. I, we went all the time. Like my mom and I were always at the movies. Um, like. If I'm pressed to think of, like, a specific, like, I can remember when we went to see Jurassic Park. Like, I remember, like, that was, like, oh, this is a thing. Definitely. That was, this is, like, a big thing. Um, a, a very unique, like, experience. Um, but, yeah, I, never, I, don't, I don't have that moment where I'm, like, oh, I could make something better. I usually watch something and I'm, like, damn it, I should give up. <laughs> That's usually when I, like, really love something or, like, I'm, like, oh, yeah, no, I, I, someone just got it better. My arrogant but thought that uh, I watched Gangs of New York and I was like, "What is even happening? Okay. We can do, we can do this more." And that's when I started getting into film. Um, but yeah, I, Jurassic Park I feel like is a landmark for a lot of people in our generation. We actually have uh, the guy who did a lot of the puppeting for that movie come in here. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, Craig Caton, who's the chair of the animation department. Um, came in he brought the t-rex's little toe and it was oh, huge awesome. it's like the size of my face it's amazing um so you you're kind of you're watching movies consistently you're enjoying them um how do you transition into working in film 
Um, well, I went to NIFA. Um, I sort of... Was that what, so you hadn't made a film before you got to NIFA? No, that's not true. That, that's, that's fair. Well, um, well, it's sort of like it progressed. Like, I mean, I definitely was making, you know, camcorder stuffed animal, uh, like, videos when I was younger. Um, and then when I was in high school, I had, like, I went to... I, I grew up in Pittsburgh, so, mm-hmm. like, everyone, a lot of my friends that were into film were very big, like... Romero, like zombie, like that was their thing. I thought you were going to say Rocky. No, that's <laughs> Philadelphia. <laughs> oh man, it. those are fighting words. Uh, <laughs> not the same thing. But but Rocky's a great movie. But like, so my friends in high school were all about like doing the zombie movies. Like you know, we had like breaking the breaking glass in the car and like doing all like the effects. So um, I did that with them. And then when I was in college. Um, we had sort of like the campus television station that they really only covered like certain like very specific events during the year and the rest of the time it was just sort of there. And so I sort of just started making a lot of content. I had like I had shows that I like hosted, but then I also with like my friends that weren't even part of campus television, we would just run around with a camera and make shorts that were silly or like, you know, there's one that we were like, we saw Sin City and we're like, oh yeah, we're going to have like hyperviolet black and white. It was, it's not very good. And it's like 40 minutes long, but that stuff would play on campus television because there's no, nothing else was there. Wow. And so I did a lot of that sort of thing. And, uh, and then after I was done with that, I was like, well, I'm, I, I studied history and I'm like, uh, I, I need to not just like get into film. Like I need to go to school for that. I get like moved to Los Angeles and make it a little yeah, bit more, sure. more active of a, of a, not just like, oh, someday, like as a side thing. Do you remember your first film? You talked a little bit about, uh, working with stuffed animals. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I mean, I, I don't know where the, like they're they're lost somewhere. I'm sure. I don't know. I I do remember I had like a a shark and that like had like a mouth that you could make talk. Yeah. And like a little lobster. I, I, I for some reason that's burned in my mind. You know, sometimes like things just like without context, but you can remember like the imagery. Were they like? Because I feel like when I was making stories with my Barbies, there were a lot of like. Uh, soap opera aspects to them is like super basic storytelling and like you cheated slap and then like someone killed somebody oh no well you know the, the sharks in the, they don't slap very well but I can see like the arms that are articulated from Barbie would make more sense well I also you know I had a lot of uh, Ninja Turtles action figures but I don't think I used them as much yeah I don't know I don't remember I think it was just sort of like silly bizarre jo- I mean I draw I was always drawing as mm-hmm. well and I think maybe it was a sort of Beetlejuice, like Tim Burton, like I always had a Heck lot of yeah. like weird, very weird, very like curvy and um, very colorful, weird stuff. So I, I, I would imagine it was probably some sort of bizarre adventure that I was m- filming with the stuffed animals. I love that. So from those early films, what do you think, like before you get into, you know, studying seriously when you're just making them for fun, what were some of the your biggest hurdles and, and maybe greatest lessons? Hmm. I think um, when I was doing it uh, with my friends at like CMU, when I was doing it uh, for in college, for we were doing it more proactively. Mm-hmm. I think probably one of the biggest things I learned is that because none of my friends they, they liked movies, but they weren't like really interested in it, but they wanted to do it, like because we were doing it's it. It's fun to shoot a movie when there's no budget and no one breathing down your neck about making sure you get all the shots. Like when you're just making it, it's like. 
it's just a fun. It is. And then, but also, so I like, they didn't have, you know, they knew cinematic language as much as anybody does. That's grown up as we have with, you know, film and TV, uh, being everywhere, but they, it's not like something they studied, but at the same time, just because they were reliable and they were into it, like it was better than sometimes having people that aren't as passionate and don't want to be there, but do know what they're talking about. Yeah. And sort of, if that, you know, it's, it's, it's better to have someone that you want to be around than you don't want to be around, but they're a genius. Whether you're organized with a plan coming in or you just kind of arrive on set, uh, you're working with a group for long hours, so a positive attitude is invaluable, yeah. certainly. And a lot of that stuff was very, I should say, pretty much unscripted. It was a lot of just like, here's a scenario, let's dress up in however is yeah. appropriate and let's go out. And it's just like, find the shots and then we just make it up. Were you guys edit? I'm just so curious. Were you guys like editing on like iMovie and stuff? Uh, we were at first, yeah. like very early on, and then we had got uh, Final Cut pretty quickly, and and a lot of the stuff we did too was like music videos. So it was very, you know, it didn't have to. It had like a story, and as much as music videos have a story, right. but like it was much more loose and sort of, you know, abstract. And, Man. I used to have a teacher who'd be so pissed when we would do music videos. He's like, you're not learning storytelling. Oh. I'd be like, but it's, it's so much fun. And he's like, what is this? You're just telegraphing me story through the music. I hate this. Oh, man. He used to write us really hard. But I, I think that doing music videos, especially as a young filmmaker, is kind of, I don't know if I even want to say easiest, but it's just such a natural place to start of, like, applying music to rhythm of, like, the editing to figuring out general story. And even then, you can really futz around with, like, camera angles and things because oh, it's a yeah. music video. If it doesn't cut together, right? Like, you'll just – you can smash cut it because exactly. it's music. And we would, like – we'd try to, like, do something – I mean, this is just, like, the way my bizarre brain and they were – like, my friends thought the same way. But, like, we would do, like, Careless Whisper, but <laughs> it was, like, a guy played by me that was in love with a tree – and so it's just like a lot of like us <laughs> gyrating around trees on campus and people are just like walking by and just hearing the sax solo and like you trying to seduce a tree. Like. Yeah, it's pretty much what you imagined. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, let's talk a little bit about you coming to Knife. How do you mm. decide, uh, you know, you say you needed to come out to L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we're here. That's helpful. Uh, but, you know, why Knife? Um, you know, honestly, it was kind of like. I had sort of all these schools that um, seemed like it would be a good place to go. And like I said, I, I was I was studying history and it was sort of like getting towards the, the end of my senior year. And I was already taking grad classes because I had so many requirements done. And I was just like, I don't think this is the path I want to go down. You know, I was like... Um, so it was very late and I was like, I was talking to my mom. I was like, what should I do? And she's like, well, if that's what you want to do, you should, you should do it. You should apply now. And like, since it was so late, a lot of the schools didn't accept, like, I didn't have time to take like, they were gonna do all like, the, the, yeah. And so like, Knife was one of the ones that was fortunate to offer that. And I was like, okay, well, great. That was like one of the places that I had picked out anyway. Let's go. And, um, yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty smooth, um, process, um, once, once, like I started talking with them and everything and yeah. Very cool. Refresh my memory. Which program did you do? I did the, uh, filmmaking MFA two year program. Dang. That's like one of the most intense courses. It's intense. Uh, I know those guys are always off shooting, always off making. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's like, it's, 
there's theory, but then there's a lot of like just go and figure it out. Yeah, the, that's kind of what I love about NIFA because uh, it mirrors that for my schooling too, uh, where the very first day they put a film camera in our hands they're like here's how you load it go out and shoot a full like thing and then come back we're gonna edit it by hand yeah. and it was uh, and many times overwhelming but also it took a lot of the fear or apprehension out of it because you just gotta get started Yeah. did you have like a favorite class getting started or was there like a, or maybe mm. better a favorite project that you worked on um I mean we made so many like little projects that um and like I said, similar to like what I was saying when I was in college, undergrad, I like the the group that I gravitated towards. We had a lot of fun no matter what we were working on. Sure. So um, even when we weren't having fun, like it, it all it's like a good learning memory because we, we could fight with one another. Um, I don't know. I mean, my my thesis film, which um, is strangely more uh, um topical than I had imagined when I made it. I thought it was more allegorical, but it was a comedy about the KKK. And um, that was fun to make because all the professors were nervous. Like, they're like, you mm-hmm. can't have 20 people in hoods outside of a liquor store in Glendale. <laughs> and uh, The cops are going to notice. No one, like three or four people pulled up and were like brave enough to be like, what's going on here? Like ready to take on 20 people but then we were like there's lights there's, there's cameras just a movie and they're like oh okay cool and they like wait okay we have to pause and give context for people <laughs> living outside of Los Angeles uh, some people refer to Burbank where our campus resides as Mayberry um, which if you don't know is like the fictitious town uh, from the 50s TV show where like people go fishing and everybody knows your name and it's very quaint uh, that's Burbank imagine that but like more expensive slightly modernized and that's Glendale like Glendale is just as kind of clean and whole cut um, but there's also like a an upper class kind of level to it. A lot yeah. of rich people live there. A lot of executives uh, for studios and things move their families out there because it's safe and not downtown. Um, it it almost amazes me that anybody stopped. I'm I was I was like happy that people stopped, but then like once they saw that we were shooting a movie and we're not actually racist, <laughs> that they were like, okay, cool, and they left. But like I was like. I'm I'm kind of proud that someone like stopped and was it like ready to take really us off. Happy, yeah. But like I couldn't do that now. <laughs> I think it'll be definitely much harder after Charlottesville to try to film a scene like that. Like yeah. you probably that's probably one where you would need to uh, call your local police department and yeah. have them be on set so as to uh, not cause any alarm or um, uprisings. It wow. So for but we were just students, so we we're just like let's go. Yeah, I've definitely. Uh, before I had a brain and was early in my college years shot in an open park with fake weapons. Um, definitely had the cops pull up and be like, the hell is going on here? I'm like, sorry, they're fake. We'll leave now. Um, remember to get permits. They're yes. helpful. They will protect you. They are not that expensive when you compare them to legal fees in prison. Uh, <laughs> which Especially be- when you're a student, permits are really cheap. Right, yeah, definitely. Take advantage of that. Uh, so... You make a comedy. How does that go over when you screen it? Did people like it? Yeah, it went really well. Um, because obviously it is not a pro-KKK film. No. <laughs> um, it's like Romeo and Juliet, the movie. Um, <laughs> it's like the kid in the KKK and the kid in who works at the liquor store who is Indian. And so, uh, yeah, no, it went over really well. I mean, it's, it's very... Um, 
you know, farcical and really. So you put that in a competition because I feel like it's so timely. I did. I did. I did when I when I first made it. Uh, you know, whatever five uh, six years ago. That's amazing. I kind of really want to see this project now. Um, I want to ask you too. How did your time at Nightflight change you as a filmmaker? You're making films before, kind of uh, shotgunning them and guerrilla shooting uh, with your college friends. You come to Nightflight, you do an extensive, really intense two year program. How did your time change over? I think um, what what Nifa g- gave me is it put a lot of um, words to things that like I sort of understood, but then. You know, it's hard to articulate things when mm-hmm. you're like, okay, I, I get that, like, maybe this framing feels right, but, you know, how do you convey that or how do you, like, realize why it makes you feel this way and then, you know, oh, okay, then I can replicate it more, uh, you know, efficiently. Like, that sort of thing. I feel like it gave me a lot of, um, like, almost um, confidence understanding in the things that I, I just had absorbed from watching films. Of course, I learned a lot, like, there, especially, like, um, you know, anything with, like, equipment, like, technically, like, with a camera and stuff. Like, my brain is so not wired that way. Um, so I learned a lot in that regard. Um, but in terms of, like, the theory, I feel like it really just gave me, like, a lot of uh, confidence in that. Like, oh, yeah, I knew that thing. Like, okay, now I understand, like why it it works this way or why I would use it at this place in this time in a story, you know, as opposed to something else. Definitely. Uh, Let's take a look at your film, Jumpy. Actually, before we get started on that, I want to ask you really quick, who is Jumpy? Who is Jumpy? Yeah. That's such a deep question. I know. Uh, I mean, plot-wise, Jumpy is is a uh, in-game avatar in a video game. And Jumpy loves to jump. <laughs> All right, let's check out this movie. It's so cute.
heart is so warm. <laughs> I feel all kinds of gooey inside. Oh my goodness. Um, incredible, incredible film. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about, so you go to the school to do live action. Mm-hmm. Anybody who's involved in films, like animation is an entirely different beast. How do you even get started on making an animated project? Um, well, I uh, several years ago I had an idea for a short that I thought would be would be uh, suited for animation because it's always about it was all about like imagination and um, uh, this particular woman's point of view on the world and um, so I just I didn't know what to do with it um, and then. I, as I said before, I could, I was always drawing when I was a kid, so I can draw quite well, and I'm just, it's just something that's, I'm used to, and um, so I always thought, well, you know, I've seen, uh, I've seen like the old videos of Walt Disney, like walking around the studio and being like, and here's how we do it, you know, and I'm like, okay, like the, that concept is makes sense to me, you know, you you do the, draw the motions a little bit at a time, and then you just layer it. Um, and I'll use Photoshop instead of a you know giant camera rig that they had with all the like layers, and I'm like it could probably work that way, and so that's what I did, and I just sort of did it as I went, and um, I was really happy with it, and so I've just been sort of doing more and more of that. Um, I did a music video, I've done like other little short things, and then I just try and uh, teach myself more each time. Um, and then for Jumpy, doing like the you know video game type stuff, it's just instead of draw it with, instead of drawing it with a paper and a pen and scanning it, I skip that step and I do it with pixels and Photoshop. Heck yeah, digital. Is there an inspiration behind this story? Um, behind the story? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I guess I was just sort of um, thinking about um, how like the idea of people. Um, being like feeling like they're meant to do one thing uh or like you know like this is their purpose and yet they're not good at it or they're like falling short of it or like you know it's just not it's just not happening uh which i'm sure anybody in the entertainment industry can relate to but i feel like it's a very general thing that a lot of people would understand and so i was just like thinking about that and and also having played video games since i was like two years old it seemed like that sort of world of like you know uh, you know, if this is like what the, the, the character is programmed to do, they can't they can't succeed. It's like, well, then what's the where's the, what do you do with yourself? Definitely. Um, and so I think that was sort of the germ of the idea. Um, it reminded me of this saying we have at After Buzz, which is, um, if you strive for excellent, you can have. Or no, if you strive for perfection, you can have everything. Because so people think like, oh, well, if I'm really good, then I'll get really good results. But it tends to be that so much of your effort is just a failure just because that's part of learning mm-hmm. that you have to strive for perfection if you want to reach excellence, if you want to have it all. Um, and that's kind of the sense I got. It also gave me um, a lot of feelings of like, uh, for those of you who follow like a lot of your old high schooler friends on Facebook and things, or even your college buddies and you're watching them go on to achieve like these great successes and you're still trying to do something that maybe they either achieved a long time ago or uh, – you know, maybe it's something that they don't even care about, but it, it seems small to you and just the frustration, but also the perseverance of that and how beautiful it is when you are able to achieve, you know, after working so hard is a beautiful little short film. Um, how did you, did you have a crew for this? How did that work? Uh, no, I just did it. I just did it 
I did it well. So I had the composer who I reached out to when it was when I had all the visuals done, but I did all the visuals myself. Um, and then I just found this guy online who was doing like uh, Metroid like remixes of old like you know like <laughs> and I was like oh I like that and then he had like one original piece that was also very gamey and electronic but very emotional. Um, so I reached out to him. His name is Luminist and he lives in the, the UK. Wow. And like. I talked to him a couple times, and he did the music in, like, two days, and that was that. That score came together in two days? It's a beautiful score. Yeah, it's great. I was really impressed. I'm not musical at all, so I'm just like... <laughs> and so you, there's one thing you can't do. I'm really excited to hear about that. There's more than one thing I can't do. <laughs> I don't know. You made an entire animation. Like usually there's, you know, teams of people to do animation even in in digital you kind of expect like two or three people like someone working on character design someone to be doing the editing Mm -hmm. and maybe someone to be you know storyboard the thing how long as a team of one did it take you to complete this well but the other thing too is like you know this is not you know it's not full 3d it's not like a pixar short you know like those type of shorts yes you like the credits go on longer than the film for good reason (laughs) but like you know I, i know uh, what I can do and so it's like and I try to push that each time but like you know to to set something in a classic you know very uh, 16-bit you know like that type of video game world it's it's there's a certain like rigidity and um, on like lack of finesse that it's meant to have do you know what I mean like a character that like walks like this yeah. with like three frames is is that, is what it's meant to look like and definitely, feel like? So definitely. it's like it's a it's a way of just like taking the limitations and what you can and can't do, and make that suit it. So speaking of jumpy, as you're creating this character and this world, were there a lot of iterations in the design, or were you pretty confident off the bat? You knew exactly what you wanted. Yeah, well, it's not so much confident off the back. It's just uh, off the bat. It's just that um, these sort of things like usually live in my head for quite a while. Okay. So it's like. I, I get the idea and I get the story, uh, you know, pretty quick. And then I just like, it'll sit for a while and I'll think about it. And then once I, you know, start to decide, oh, the, okay, the character should look this way or look that way. I, it, it's our, a lot of the work has been done, so to speak, in my brain. Um, so there's not a lot on paper that uh, there's many iterations. Like there's a little bit of fine tuning, but for the most part, I mean, it, Jumpy was Jumpy the first time I, like, sketched it out. Um, uh, what made you... So I know you said you had an idea for animation way earlier. Mm. But, like, what about animation, you know, kind of drew you into it as a medium? And I guess for a video game story, it makes sense to do it in animation. And yet I'm still intrigued of, like, why you went to Jumpy story in an animated form. Um, well, I think for Jumpy in particular, again, like I said, I, I, video games have been like a huge part of my brain since I was younger. Um, and so just when I was thinking about that idea of, you know, uh, being made to do something and not being able to do it, um, for, for whatever reason, just in my mind, I was, I thought that a video game would be a good, um, just be a good a good vessel that's relatable that's easy to to is very accessible it's very like you know i i really honestly wasn't thinking about this but probably in the back of my mind i was like 
video games, anything from the 80s, like that stuff is huge for everyone now. Like everyone's like living on nostalgia. So that just makes it more palatable to people, you know? Okay. Um, but That's smart. But, yeah, I, I liked. I want to say that I was that smart, and I thought like that way. <laughs> but I, I really, I really was just that I like video games, and it seemed like, and also like I was saying, I like to challenge myself technique wise. And so I'm like, okay, I've done several hand drawn animations. I I could still be way better at that, and I and I you know want to work at that. But it would be fun to do something that's set in a video game and that's video gamey, um, just because I, I love that world. And so that's I think really it just seemed like you know. This this thing that I want to do and this thing that I want to do they they just fit so so you're as you're putting because like okay so my brain is like okay animation I know I need to have the drawings and I know I need to have the program in which to animate and you're doing it digitally so I know you don't need to draw each side hand by hand and your settings are pretty standard so it's not like you're drawing like a hundred different backgrounds right. or you know flying all over the world trying to get different looks and images. But even still, like, what was the next, as you're getting started in your first time doing this, what are, like, you get the software, you start drawing, where where are you experiencing hiccups, and is there anything you wish you had known before you started that would have made your life easier? Um, yeah, knowing how to animate would probably have been, <laughs> would probably have been helpful to me. Uh, no, I mean, when I first started, I, I think, um... The, the hiccups were really just technical because even when I started, I didn't know After Effects, which is a very, um, you know, for those who don't know, is very technical effects heavy software. I was just using Premiere, which is basic editing. And um, for the like my first animated short that I did, which was all hand drawn, um, you know, draw and then make the layers in, in Photoshop very so much long. like cells, just yeah. like, you know, the Disney painted on the transparency. And then put all those layers together in Premiere. And somehow Premiere never, like, it had a lot of problems, but it got through it. Sure. And then, like, as I started to do more um, shorts with more layers, like, Premiere just was not handling it. It wouldn't, it just wouldn't take it. So I had to start using After Effects and start learning how to do that. And, you know, there's tutorials online how to do anything. So there's, like, no reason not to learn how to do anything, especially yeah. technical stuff like that. So... Um, yeah, there, there wasn't a whole lot of hiccups. It's just like, it's, it's that very like nitty gritty stuff. Like you're talking about like, okay, why I'm telling it to go here and it's not, uh, especially with jumpy. Cause jumpy is not like you said, it's, there are little assets. It's not like I've drawn the character in a specific spot moving in a specific way. Like I have a little jumpy asset that I can move around as, as jumpy's running. So it's like, okay, get the physics right. Like do what I'm telling you. And for the most part, it, it does, but even like After Effects, sometimes there's just too many layers for it to handle in a certain way. Um, but yeah, for the most part, it, it it got solved pretty easily. Right on. What video games inspired this look? I, I see a lot of I, Mario. There's definitely in here. a lot of Mario. I mean, my I I always and forever am a Zelda person. Yes. Um, Wait, what's your favorite Zelda game? Well, I mean, Ocarina of Time has been like my favorite for. It's really, yeah, it's super good. Breath of the Wild is really good, though. The, mm. the, the new one. Twilight Princess, though. Twilight Princess is good. It's, 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 it's Story-wise, it's pretty great. The story, the story is great. The Play-wise, it's The game is kind of like Ocarina yeah. Part 2. But, yeah, the story-wise is great. I mean, Midna is a great character. Definitely. Um, the music, I mean, music's always great, but uh, the music for Midna in that game is excellent. Um, 
No, I won't begrudge uh, Twilight Princess. <laughs> They're all great. Um, so, I mean, there's a little, like, one of the other jumpies has, like, a sword in there. So that's, like, my little Zelda bit. But, yeah, there's, um, it's mostly Mario. I mean, the the platforming thing is really just, that just comes down to Mario. Um, there's a little other stuff in there, like, you know, there's a little bit of Sonic in there. Um, the character, like... Yeah, when he rolls. Well, and then, yeah, there's, like, the double jump. And then there's also, in Sonic, there was always, like, this big emerald that when you jump on, you could get, like, yeah, super yeah, yeah. Sonic. Yeah, yeah, diamond. Like, yeah, and Definitely. so, like, there's that part. But those are just, like, little moments. Like, yeah, as you said, the the real, like, meat of it is is that that platforming frustration. And that's, and that's Mario, I think. Is there a game that had a boss that you just could not defeat that maybe would have caused you to restart like Jumpy's Guy did? Oh, I mean, there are there were plenty of times <laughs> that I've thrown controllers and uh, and um, yeah, I'm sure there was. I mean, I, it... the final boss in Kingdom Hearts one took me for. Ever. Well, is it Seraph? Yeah, Seraph or you're like you get to the you get to the final castle and like it's just you and Mickey and Donald. I think I don't even know if Goofy's there. I just remember that it was like I was thirteen or something, and I was just like over and over again, like days on end, and I'm like I'm the stupidest person on the planet. Or um, I play Resident Evil with my dad because oh, we were both too scared too to scared. watch. Yeah, I can't do that. <laughs> We would get started and maybe get like to the first boss. We'd be like, "No, it's too scary. We have to back away." Yeah. Or um, yeah. Final Fantasy VII also had a couple bosses where I was like, "I just need to lay down now." I can't get into. I can't. I couldn't get into the turn-based stuff. That's fair. It, it just. I, I. And also, you're talking about being scared by Resident Evil. Anytime you're walking around and a random encounter happens, and that like sound like it scared me, so I quit. I couldn't play the game. Yeah, we had the surround sound set up, and so you would hear like. Yeah, in the that, background, you're just like, "What's happening?" I don't, like, I don't like that. Maybe just thinking about it. Maybe Meat Boy. Did you ever play Super Meat Boy? I didn't. That's a really challenging um, platformer game. So maybe there's some of that in there too. But it's like you're it. it it's very um, it eggs you on because it's mm. meant to be like very. You know, you get a little bit further every time, and so it, it's really uh, designed in a way that makes you want to like keep going and then not throw the controller. So That's encouraging. It's nice to have a video game. I feel like sometimes the developers are antagonizing the players. They're doing that too, they're for like, sure. Poke, but I bet you can't <laughs> figure it out. That's pretty much it too. Well it's like you can see how you're supposed to do it. Like it's not mm. it's not like it you have to figure it out. It's just like there's spikes on all the walls and That's it's like challenging. Yeah, it's all platforming. But Right on. Were you surprised at the reaction, particularly the uh editor's choice for uh, on a, I'm sorry, Vimeo, yes. Yeah, the uh, staff pick. I always want to say Venmo. They're just too close. Too well, close. I didn't get any money. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was one of those things where it's like, oddly, with with uh, the, the projects that I've animated, I always feel like I'm I'm very proud of them. Yeah. Like normally, as I you know, I think anybody who does anything creative i can i'm sure anything but like especially creative you're always like i wish i had done this differently or i you know i'm not fully happy with it um but with all the animated stuff i've done i I can say for any of their flaws like i'm happy with them so i'm like quality wise i'm like it should be and i'm just like i'm like you know like trying to like Twitter message all the like or tweet I guess as the kids say uh, all the like Vimeo staff people are like hey check it out like 
Don't give me a staff. Oh, pick. so there's really some like... actually some strategy. I just, I assumed that they had just found you. They do, but there's a lot of like, um, there's a lot of theory about like what's the best way to get noticed without being obnoxious. Sure. Um, they do. They they do. Uh, do it all themselves but like i think there's some uh technique that you can use especially like i had been featured on some um i had been on like uh film school rejects um and like before i got the staff pick so like some of these things which you have to like reach out to those people like you can't just rely on them seeing it so you have to do it you know reach out to people in a way that's not obnoxious and just being like look we both know what this is (laughs) If if you like it feature yeah. it if it if fits your audience feature it if not and here's all the stuff you need um and if not that's cool so like i had gotten some traction already from that and then um like the views had started to like go up a little bit and i'm like i i feel like if they're going to notice it it's going to happen soon um and if it doesn't then it won't so like i i was very pleasantly surprised when it happened but also like that day i had seen like some of the staff like members had liked the video or had like, you know, uh, clicked on the video and I'm like "Hmm, several at once. That's probably an indicator. And then, so like later that day it happened, I was like, Oh, that's, that's lovely. That is beautiful. Yeah. I was reading some of the comments under the video and there's such a, um, I mean, it's got such a positive message and it seems like a lot of people took that to heart. Was that at all? So like, I mean, what is it like to receive those kinds of messages? I mean, like, that's just like, you just, I don't even know how to respond. I try to respond to all the comments, but like I have no real speech for. It's always just like thank you. Uh, yeah, I mean it's what you hope for, and but it's just it's it's so. Uh, as I said, I'm speechless. Like it's it's just so nice when you hope that someone will connect with it and take what they will from it. Like I've had a lot a lot of people take things that I didn't even like think about or intend when I put in mm. there, and I'm like that's awesome. Like I'm glad that that's in there and you saw it and it meant something to you. Um, and so it's just like, I mean, that's what it's all about. So I, I I'm always very like happy and humbled. And as I said, I, I even now just like, I don't know what to say about it. It's just like, it's great. I, I can't say anything about it. It's just awesome when people are receptive to, to that sort of thing. So what advice do you have to people, especially, I guess, who are interested in animation and maybe can draw, but do feel intimidated by the technology and by the kind of undertaking that animation requires. What advice do you have to them in getting started? I think they should just give it a go. I mean, honestly, so many like things out there that are really um, moving to people. I mean, you can go on Vimeo as just a good example and look at some of the animation that's on there. Not that you should be comparing yourself to other people, but like the style is very rough a lot mm. of the times. It's very minimal. It's uh, you know, a lot of the a lot of those people are relying on the idea and their concept to come it across. I mean, I don't know if do you know who um Don Hertzfeld is? He's um a lot of if you if you've seen his animation, you'd recognize there's a lot of like, you know, my spoon is too big. It's oh, like, yeah. Like, like stick figures. Yeah, this guy has been nominated for numerous Oscars. Yeah. And his his films are all stick figures. You know, it's all about the um, the idea. And certainly, if you have a great idea, like, sometimes the more minimal, like, stick figures is kind of, like, intriguing. It's a draw. Yeah. So I would say just mess around, like, just start doing it and just try and execute it. And don't, like, have any expectations. Like, you know, don't think oh if this doesn't look like you know i don't know what the lion king then you're going to give up like 
the, huge expectations. Yeah, for but but I think people get like even myself. Of course, everyone mm. like has like uh, I want it to be this, and sometimes it doesn't come out to be that. But it's like, well, is you know, it's a step. It's a process. Um, so just yeah, just start drawing it one at a time and like figure it out. And it, uh, animation is really, I I think it's really rewarding because it's like it's like magic when it's really tedious and it involves a lot of patience, which I don't have. Um, but it's like roller coaster. It's like, oh my god, this is so much. I, I, it's so tedious. And then like when it all moves, you're just like, wow, that's awesome. Like it, it's it's it really. If you think it's something that you're interested in, I think you should just give it a try and see because you'll know pretty quickly if like that that feeling of having something come to life in front of you is worth the the attempt at just trying to figure it out. I, I think it'll be pretty apparent. Right on. What's up next for you, Anthony? Um, the next thing I want to do animated wise is a feature, which is crazy. Wow. Again, uh, all by yourself? No, I don't, I don't <laughs> think that that would be possible, uh, in my lifetime frame to finish. <laughs> um, no, but I, what I, what I'm planning to do, uh, ideally is I have a script that I wrote that I would like to animate like a two minute, like trailer for, to give a visual to the, to the story. Can you give us a little elevator pitch what the film's about? Yeah, it's very, um, okay, so if you would, I'll do that, like, this meets this, like, because that's how people like it, even though they say they hate it. Um, It just helps paint such a clear picture. It does. It's very, like, a Miyazaki-like world with Kimmy Schmidt as the main character. So it's like this, you know, rural, um, you know, uh, very Italian, like, picturesque, like, a setting where magic is like magic's bad. Everyone who has magic is bad. They're bad. And the main character is she has magical powers and she's like all about like trying to keep them under wraps. Like she's not trying to like show people that. And she's very, as I say, Kimmy Schmitty because she's very like bubbly and very silly. And like, but it also sort of, uh, is like the, is like a coping mechanism. You know, this person, she's been discriminated her whole life because she, is has magical powers and doesn't know what to do with it. And so she comes off as this very like silly person. And, um, and so it's all about her teaming up with this wizard that people have also said is bad. And she's like, not quite sure what he, where he is or not. It seems like he has, he wants to do this altruistic thing and, and she has the power to do it. And so it's like this sounds like it takes place in the same universe as Kiki's Delivery Service, which is my favorite Miyazaki film. Uh, sure, I could say that. Though they're a lot more understanding of Kiki in that film than uh, it's true. But, but she's I still do, kind of I the weird girl out. Movie. It I takes do. her a second to to boy in the striped shirt has to kind of get her introduced to everybody before they're. That's true. Her. That's true. I do love that. That's probably one of my favorites uh, as well. Um, yeah, it's it's like it's it's serious, but it also has that very silly side to it. I love that. Yeah, and I think it's an important message that especially kids would need to hear uh, nowadays. I want to ask you accept everybody. Yes, absolutely. Um, I want to ask you, why tell kids, I feel like so many guys I meet want to be the next um, um, like Quentin Tarantino or or Martin Scorsese, which is respectable. They're incredible filmmakers, but but you don't find a lot of guys wanting to tell like children's at least at the get go, like especially like you know in their youth that usually sure. comes as they get older. Well, I'm getting there. Um, <laughs> get out of here, no. I don't know. I mean, but I also think I think there's a, a way to tell stories that because um, like 
I want to tell children's stories. It almost has like a negative connotation to mm -hmm. it, which I don't think it does. But like, I think there's a way to tell a story that's engaging to um, adults as well as children, you know, especially because I think children, they don't, they're, they're patronized a lot. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously you maybe shouldn't be showing like children the thing or something. Then again, you know, I was watching the thing. So, but like. Or it. Don't take your kids to see yeah, it. Yeah, maybe not right away. <laughs> uh, though I used to watch Chucky and that scarred me for life. But um, like, you know, kids will, I think maybe this is a, like a high benchmark, but you know, like Pixar movies are pretty, um, when they're, when they're playing to all ages, you know, I think they speak to children and adults in a very effective way yeah um and not like talking down in either way now, mm. obviously it's very hard to do but i think like i think stories that can do that have um are, i don't know i just think they they have a lot of uh value mm. uh not just movie stories in general that can do that um i think they have a lasting permanence i think it's what makes spielberg uh such a standout or even scott snyder who does a ton of comic book stuff here it's a lot of batman things that yeah. are not inappropriate for children which i think i think that there's a, a longevity and a, a permanence to stories that don't exclude people or or especially by age yeah. um so yeah i totally agree and I, I think that work is really important i think we need stories that we can actively enjoy and then have like open discussions with our kids about because because stories are how we tell our history um yeah i agree it's really valuable yeah well, Anthony, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah. This has been a super lovely conversation. We got to talk about video games and animation and and our love of uh, Jurassic Park, which is forever one of the greatest movies of all time. It's so good. It's super just fun. like a roller coaster ride. It is. It just, there's just so much joy in everyone's heart. In the original. Uh, so much joy yes. in everyone's heart. We'll be clear. Um, and it's pure and also the scale, which is the only thing I ever talk about when I talk about that film is how accurate the scale is. How did they do it in 93? It's impressive. I don't know. That's why I didn't make that movie. <laughs> uh, guys, I want to thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you again, Anthony, for joining thank us you. today. Um, definitely go check out his work. Um, what is your uh, um, Vimeo name, screen name, so people can find more of your work? I mean, the, honestly, the best way is if you just go to anthonyfalleroni.com. There it is. You can see all my work. Um, it's all there. De definitely go check out more of his work. It's super great. And definitely come back here next Thursday at 4 o'clock as we bring in another knife a guest to talk about their incredible cinematic journeys. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs> From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.